episode 42 all the fly kids show this episode is called cutting up a storm um that may be a giveaway as to what our guest this week does for a living maybe not but either way um i was introduced to this brother um by super videographer ryan gordon um, gang, gang. Also, I did so good last episode. Gang, I'm your gang. host, Geronimo Knows. Got super engineer co-host Backpack Matt in here. What up, G? Per usual. Yep. Um, hope all y'all feeling good today. Yeah, yeah man. Yeah. Great. Y'all got y'all coffee, y'all tea, y'all I'm water? I'm good, man. I'm almost there. Okay. Yeah. Good, good, good. But nonetheless, um, but yeah, so I was introduced to this brother, I guess, today um, through Ryan. Uh, looked into his background, and I was blown away because everybody who knows me knows I'm always looking for a great barber. Um, I don't have a problem as long as my bank account is looking good. I don't nice. have a problem paying for a great experience. I'm all about great sensory experiences. Um, and anybody who just like is very detail oriented and very passionate and creative in the work that they do. So um, without further ado, um, I'd like to introduce the owner um, of the Millennium Salon and of Dexter Fields Flowers. I got that right. Dexter Fields. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for coming in. Thanks for having me. Glad to, glad to have you in, man. Um, like I said, I was really excited when um, Ryan told me about you. I checked out all your work and everything, and okay. I was just like, hey, okay. I think I was actually like more blown away by like the floor arrangements uh-huh. And the actual barbering, right. you know what I mean. But not to say that take away from your barbering skills Absolutely or not. the or the or the um the salon itself because right. it's amazing work that y'all are doing there. Right. Um, you know, but um, yeah, we just like I said, we just like to um do a whole round robin. Just take it from the top, man. Okay. Uh, tell everybody where you're from. I'm originally from Savannah, Georgia. Okay, I moved to this area. Uh, in was it 1988. Mm. I graduated from college in 1988. Okay. And I moved to this area in 1988. Okay. And uh, it was a it, unique time in, in, in D.C.'s history was, in 88. Yeah, <laughs> it was very unique. You know, that's what brought me here. I would visit D.C. on my breaks from college. Okay. What school did you go to? I went to school in Huntsville, Alabama. Okay. It's called Oakwood College. Oakwood College. Oh, shout out to Oakwood. Shout out. You familiar? <laughs> Yeah, I okay. grew up in okay. Savannah, right. so. Me too? Yes. Okay. Okay. Y'all cool. just making me feel like an old heathen in here. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. I'm used to I'm it. I'm a heathen. God's working on all <laughs> of us. I'm a Adventist heathen. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's a perfect way to <laughs> describe you. Savannah. But, uh, yeah, so on my breaks from college, I came to D.C., mm-hmm. and I was taken back at the fact that it was just so many black people yes. who were professional. Yes, uh, that really resonated with me because I knew at a very young age I was going to be a professional. Mm-hmm. I knew that. And so to see, come to D.C., I worked as a receptionist mm-hmm. in law firms in downtown D.C. I worked in uh, Rockville mm-hmm. uh, as a, in a marketing department. Yeah. Just as a, uh, I worked in the mail room. Mm-hmm. But to be here in D.C., it was something electrifying about it in the 80s. Yeah. You know, it's different now, but I still think that that same energy is still here. Yeah. So, yeah. And it was a transitional period for yeah. D.C., too, because, like, it's still very much Chocolate City. But, you know, they had there was a lot of tumultuous things taking place within yeah. the city and um, at the time. But it's still you still got that essence. You did. Right. Along with, like you said, that 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 
those professional images, like mm-hmm. black professionals, right. like in mass, like that. So That's definitely, um, what'd you study in college? I started business management okay. and marketing. Okay, so that's that's, so that's relevant. It was relevant. relevant. Yeah. I, I always like to ask what people study to see, you know, like if it still matches what they're doing today in some way. So, yeah, definitely still relevant. But Both. at the time, once people found out what the field that I went into, mm-hmm. they thought I'd lost my mind. Really? Yeah. How so? Because you have a degree in business management, mm-hmm. and you work in corporate America for eight weeks. Mm-hmm. You quit your job, and you go to barber school. Okay. And that's that's the end of the story as they knew it. And you went to barber school up here? Yes. Okay. In, okay. The, in the DMV area. Okay. What school? Uh, Bladensburg Barber School. Good old Bladensburg. Yeah. I think I'm familiar with that school. It's a nah, little tiny school. Like, I yeah. know a lot of barbers that have come out of there. Yes. A lot. Yeah. And great instructor, Mr. Mike. Mm-hmm. And he gave us a great foundation, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I told him, I want to make, I want to open up a really nice salon, barber salon, okay, a grooming lounge for, for men. That's what I want. Now, were uh, you already patronizing grooming salons, having that experience when you were in Georgia? Did you already, were you already no, familiar? No, so it, was all, it was an idea that I saw on the European side. Oh, uh, okay, okay. And, and I didn't understand why the same Flavor was not on the African-American side. Right. You know, if you know anything about the art of barbering, mm-hmm. we were the leaders. We cut everybody. Yes. Straight hair, uh, curly hair. Mm-hmm. African-Americans did it. Mm-hmm. So we somehow took a back seat and allowed somebody else to take over yes. in that regard. Mm-hmm. In terms of that, the gentlemanliness of the, the craft. Yes. You know? Taking taking pride in what you did, you know, learning the proper art of a shave. Mm-hmm. Just the name of the store, Art of Shave. There's an art to shaving. Yes. And we, we were masters at that. Mm-hmm. You know, so now in certain areas, depending on where your license is, it's illegal to use a straight razor. Really? You know, for sanitary reasons and well, maybe infectious I've only, diseases and stuff like that. Maybe because I've only got my hair cut in major cities. I yeah. haven't come across yeah. that. Like, every, yeah. I'm, if you don't use a razor... I don't care what kind of shop you are. I'm just like, I'm not coming back here. Right. You know? So what piqued your interest in in grooming and, and being a barber in the first place? And also, what was that eight weeks like in corporate America? And like, what <laughs> made you like, what was that tipping point where it was like, nah, I'm not doing this? I guess, I think when you are 18, 19, you do things quick all yeah. the time. Yeah. You know, I don't like it. I'm not doing it. Mm-hmm. Oh, I like it. Let's do it. Mm-hmm. You know, get in the car and drive to Atlantic City yeah. just on a whim. Yeah. You know, who has gas in the I've car? I've done that. That's it. I've done so that. So I feel like I was that young guy, 19. I mean, not 19. I guess I was the 20 something mm-hmm. at that point. And I was like, this corporate thing is just not it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It just wasn't mm-hmm. because it was regimented. My success was contingent on somebody else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was like, wow, I just, I didn't sign up for this. Mm-hmm. So I've just made a leap. And everybody except my family thought I was crazy. And I, I, I would get, did you hear what, what happened to Dex? She's, you know, people, it sounds what like, happened? What, happened? <laughs> what happened? Sounds Dex. like he, I died. No, but it was like, he just, he, he, made, a, he made a career change. Well, well, okay, well, when you come, a, 
come along a line of people who everything is waged on your education mm -hmm. and what you do with that education. Right. That's the box know. that you are told you have to fit in. If you deviate from, from those norms, then uh, you went to school and you're not going to be an attorney anymore. You went to school, you're not going to be a doctor anymore. Or you went to school, you're not going to be a teacher anymore. That's unheard of. So yeah. it kind of it kinda lets you, it kind of makes you wonder, like, do people even at that level respect barbers and barbering as a as a as a valid and a a, 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 a value a valuable valued profession? Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Even just at the at the base at the core. A recession proof trade. Beyond just going like, okay, I'm going to pay X amount of dollars mm -hmm. for uh, instead of paying for like a twenty dollar haircut, I'm going to pay forty, fifty, whatever. I'm mm -hmm. going to pay like at the core. It's just like, oh, you a barber. That's it. You hit it's the nail on the head. It's undervalued. It's a, it's a devalued, a undervalued. Man, but as long as you got a light and a chair and some electricity, yeah. you can always make some money. <laughs> and you're right. <laughs> I, I tell people all the time, I go with you to, to the most significant moments of your life. I'm with you. Mm -hmm. yeah. I'm with you Facts. in the most significant. If you're going to a wedding, if you're going to a graduation, if you have to bury a loved one who's job close interview. to you, a job interview, you're gonna come to get a haircut. You're just you, you feeling you just feeling a little down. Down, right? You, you wanna pick, pick me, me up? Yeah, right. Haircut absolutely. will get you right back. It's right. a Thursday or a Friday afternoon, <laughs> right. and you you just wanna make the best out of your weekend. That's it. It sets the tone for the weekend. For real, yeah. You know? It sets everything. Yes. <laughs> nah, absolutely. Right. Absolutely. So. Okay. So, you told you you told Mr. Mike. I want to open up this grooming salon. What was what was his response? He was like, "Well," and he, he didn't bat an eye. He didn't. He, I said I wanted to do. It. He said, "What you have to do is learn everything possible. Mm -hmm. If it's in the book, learn it. If it's not in the book, you see uh, uh, the instructor doing something that on the other side that you don't know about. Go over there. Mm -hmm. Learn everything. Leave no stone unturned in this industry. Mm -hmm. If it's not in the book, that's okay." If you read it in a magazine, you go to a trade show, you see it, learn it. Mm -hmm. You say you want to be a barber, but learn some things about cosmetology as well. Yes. And I was like, well, I, just, I want to be a, a great barber. He said, well, you never know. You're going to cross-reference. Mm -hmm. You know, there are going to be things you're going to need to do from a uh, 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 barbering aspect that's going to parlay directly into cosmetology. Mm -hmm. I.e. coloring. I was like, guys don't get their hair colored. Now, I said that 28 years ago. Yes. Now. <laughs> I said that. And he was like, young man, learn everything possible. <laughs> and I took his advice. Peace and I did to Mr. It. Mike for, for having right. that foresight. Yes. You know? And so he poured a lot into me. Okay. And I was that guy looking around, seeing what was going on. You know, the owners of the, build, of, of the barber school, as they sold clippers to the various barbers okay uh, how they passed out supplies I, I watched okay those were owners yeah so what was that daily grind like being in barber school like? oh, it was horrible yeah. <laughs> it's horrible what was the regimen to it if you remember well, like i'll tell people like this you often see people when you know them when you get to see them at a show or you see somebody on a cover of a magazine, but you have no idea what it took for them to get mm -hmm. there. I always tell people, if you are passionate about what you do, you'll make a way to do it. Yeah. I slept, uh, I had two days off a week. Those are the days that I slept. My schedule was 
I had to quit my job to go to barber school. Mm-hmm. So the only job I could get, I worked as a sales representative at this uh, uh, clothing store. Okay. A, sale, uh, a sales associate. Mm-hmm. And the hours that I had to work, I didn't have a car. My car broke down the week I started barber school. Wow. So I had to take the bus in the metro. So I had to take a, I w- lived on North Capitol Street. I had to take a bus to the metro station, mm-hmm. get on the metro, go out to, to Rockville, Whew. go to White Flint Mall, work there, come back. And go all the way out to Bladensburg. Go all the way out to Bladensburg. Wow. And I still didn't make That's enough crazy. money to pay my rent. So I took a night job as a security guard at a correctional facility for, for juveniles at night. So I would get off work from barber school, take the bus to my house, change my clothes, mm-hmm. and get on the bus back to go to Nanny Helen Burroughs Avenue to a correctional facility out there. And I did that all night. Then I would wake up, I would get off work mm-hmm. in the morning. Then I would go get showered, get dressed to go oh, to, to Rock Rockville. Room. <laughs> Leave Rockville, go, you know, that's what I did. So I had two days off. Those are the days I slept. And, and how long was the barbering program? I did it in six months. Okay. It's supposed to be nine. Yeah, I heard it was like ten. Sometimes it takes people like two years. Yeah, to get two years. I, I was I was not playing. Okay. Yeah. And I everything, like I said, everything that was available for me to learn, I did it. Mm-hmm. And they recognized and they saw that, so they would push me ahead. Yeah. You know, they allowed me to do a lot of self-studying. If I could complete the chapter, they would let me, you know, so. All right. What role did, like, I know the barbershop has evolved over the decades and over the years, but originally, especially in the black community, like, back in the day, what role did the barbershop play in a community besides just cutting hair? The barbershop in the black community was the social hub for everything. That's where the most important thing was information was was collected and spread out, mm-hmm. okay? We, if there was something going on, you knew about it at the barbershop. It was we a watering hole. Yeah. It was a watering, right. Yeah. So, and not only was it a place where men gathered, but they talked about things that were outside of themselves as well. Yes. Mm-hmm. So it was a safe haven so that they could talk about things that were happening. It was therapy. It was, mm-hmm. it was therapy. You know, it was things that pertain to their families, the political climate, uh, definitely sports, mm-hmm. entertainment, mm-hmm. you know. And so it was where we, you know, a lot of times we hear if there's a big major fight, we'll get together. People will get together in their various homes. Mm-hmm. Well, people used to sit around the radio watching, the, listening to the, the Joe Lewis fight. Yeah. You know, things of that nature mm-hmm. at the barbershop. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it was more than just a haircut. It was experience back then. How many shops did you work in once you left barber school? How many shops did you work in before you actually, like, opened up your own shop? One. One. And how long were you there? I was there about eight years. Okay. 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 I was eight years. It was okay. a great a great place. Okay. Um, it was in Silver Spring, Maryland. It was mm-hmm. called City Cuts. Okay. Mm-hmm. And it was on a nice street right across from Safeway on Thayer Avenue. Yeah. And it was a great barbershop. It had a huge picture window. Mm-hmm. So people pass that s- shop all the time. Yeah. There's a lot of neighborhoods. And so peop- we got a nice flow of people, either from the Safeway or just people passing by. Mm-hmm. So 
it was a great spot and I met some of the some of the best friends that I have to this day okay. I met at that shop and is Millennium your first salon or yes okay Millennium is my first okay yes. all right so now I can go back to this question at what point just knowing the historical um, value um, and cultural significance of the barbershop in the black community at what point did we have this breakdown in that whole experience to just like oh, I'm going to the barbershop you got these barbershops a lot of them like you know they do the quick cut whatever um, pay 15 20 25 dollars whatever but you're not getting that that sense of pride in the cut that you might get when you go to say a grooming salon or a place where like they're taking they're, they're taking the time with you and I speak I've look I've been to like the 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 hood shop where they selling weed out the back all the way up to like paying like I said fifty dollars for everything I'm getting a hot towel everything and I'm getting a hot towel I even got I got like little this <laughs> my face <laughs> you know what I mean like I've done it all mm -hmm. and I just wanted I just wonder when did that breakdown happen? I'm of the opinion that the breakdown happened when people started to devalue themselves. Okay. I've heard people say, oh, I'm just a barber. Mm -hmm. A lot of times barbering is a trade that people, if you have a small amount of raw talent mm -hmm. to do, you can go to barber school a lot of times and you can be pushed through. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by pushed through is if your money's right, you can get out of barber school mm -hmm. quicker than normal. Okay. Okay. So if a person already has a bit of a talent for it, mm -hmm. but they need, they want to do it legally, mm -hmm. <laughs> they'll do that route. So now I have a license. I can go and work in a, in a shop. Or if I was in high school and they offered uh, barbering as a, as a trade, yeah. or if I was in the correctional facility and I picked it up as a trade. Mm -hmm. These are all th ways that, you know what, I, I, at least I can do something. Yeah. When people don't recognize that what they, the, the value of their hands, the value of their craft, they pass that on to the people that they service. Mm -hmm. They don't care. They're apathetic. They it's just a hustle. It's a, it's a, right. There you go. It's a hustle. For me, barbering is not a hustle. It's mm -hmm. career. You know, it's, it's not a, it's a passion. It's not some side thing that I do. But if the mentality changed, mm -hmm. you know, when we look at the barbering, barbers as just a barber. And that's the client and the barber themselves not taking pride in what they do. Mm -hmm. So I think we've come by it honestly. Yeah. You know, you just explain your experience of going to various types of shops. Mm -hmm. You explained it. And I think that most people listening, if they're an African-American male or a male, they've had a similar experience where they felt like from the guy on the phone while he's cutting your hair, you're like, oh, you're thinking, I don't really want to say anything because I don't want to piss him off. And then he purposely messes up my hair. Yes. Yes. <laughs> or to our, uh, I got somewhere to go, and he's talking about something I could care less about. Uh -huh. Tell him what he did last night. What about me? Cut my hair. Right. It's like, I'm paying you, man. I'm paying you. You know, sometimes a lot of guys feel like they can base and, and say that. But some people are like, you know what? This is really important. I need this good haircut because I need this interview. And I know man, man can really hook my shape up, up the way I need it. I just need him to focus. Yeah. I'm just going to gently try to get him to focus back on me so I can get this cut so I can leave. Mm -hmm. 
Okay. All right. I mean, finding a good barber is a, is a big deal for me. Mm-hmm. I know um, I've moved to, uh, when I first moved away from the D.C. area, I moved to Philly in 2002. <laughs> and... That was a whole different experience in itself. It didn't matter what type of shop it was. Like I think I might have gotten one bad haircut in Philly. One. <laughs> Everybody else, it was just like, and then even with the whole hair wash thing, the mandatory hair wash. Five dollars, you get your hair wash. Like it, when it was just expected, you walk in, like you didn't question, you came like, no. And they're like, what you mean, no? <laughs> You're going to get your hair washed. We got the girl right there, she's going to take care of you. Boom, that's what it is. And that is when I was like, okay, there's something to this. So as I got older, you know, my income increased and I started learning about these grooming salons and I started going to some of them and, you know, just the time and and the time and patience and and just care taken on me sitting in this chair. I was like, I I, I didn't know anything like that existed in Mm -hmm. this day and age. I'm real. Gl- I'm really glad that you brought that up. What okay. you just said, because some kind of way I was going to weave what you just said into this conversation. Okay. But you brought it up, so it happened <laughs> organically, and I think that that's by divine order. Okay. Period. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to give a shout out right now. Bar none, the best barbers in the world are in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Yes, I absolutely I believe agree. that with every fiber of my being. I, I, I agree. I don't, I, I, am, I am proud to be a groomer here in the DMV area, but I will tell you, the best training that I got was when I went to Philadelphia. Mm. I reached out, I, I, I'm, I'm a YouTube kind of guy, so mm. I'll look at YouTube, look yeah. at different techniques. How can I perfect my shape up. Yes. How can I get my beard game right? Mm-hmm. And every time, every video I saw, it wasn't showing any techniques, but you saw Philadelphia, Philadelphia, Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Philadelphia. So I was like, you know what? I'm on a mission. So I started to reach out to barbers in Philadelphia. And I said, who I was, I'd like to learn your technique. What are your fees? Because I believe in paying for what I want. Mm-hmm. I don't believe that anybody should give me anything. Mm-hmm. And so I sought out, and I sought out quite a few. And I'm going to tell you, I got turned down. But one guy, his name is Fahim Alexander, and I give all homage to Fahim Alexander in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. He talked to me. We had a great conversation. He said, brother, come on down to my shop. Mm-hmm. Okay? I came to a shop, and I was completely blown away, and it changed my life forever. In what, in what ways, like when you first stepped in and just saw what was taking place, like how were you blown away? One of the biggest things in, in, in barbering and for black guys, African-American guys or whatever, is our shape up. Mm-hmm. Okay. That is make the, a break a cut. That, right. <laughs> that is the hardest is the thing cut. in barbering. A lot of barbers will beg to differ, but I say the hardest thing is the shape up. And they perfected the art of the shape up. Mm-hmm. It's very simple what they do. And you said it. You didn't even realize what you said. You talked about it from a uh, there's something to this barbering thing. A shampoo is the thing that can change your shape up. Mm-hmm. Because there's a molding process that takes place mm-hmm. when your hair is shampoo. is being manipulated. Yes. Okay. So after you've gotten that shampoo, they're going to brush your hair a little bit. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. They're going to lay that hair down. Yes. And then they're going to come out with some precise uh, uh, shape up liners mm -hmm. and they're going to hit it. That's how you're going to get that nice, crisp, clean shape up without compromising your hairline. Yes. You go on any street corner in Philadelphia. You also said you probably got one bad haircut because in Philadelphia, you can go just about on any street corner. Mm -hmm. If there's a barbershop, you can go in there. Yeah. Now, I'm not vouching for customer service or anything like that, but I am vouching for a great the haircut. quality of the cut. And I feel like it's something to the whole barbering, uh, the, the fact that we present ourselves in a particular way. And I'll give an example. Oftentimes when a person needs to get their nails done, they'll look and see a corner. Oh, there's a nail shop right there. Let me go get quick. Let me get this quick manicure mm -hmm. because that community has been known for giving you a quick service, an efficient service at a good price. Mm -hmm. I feel like the same true. thing could happen. And it ha does happen in Philadelphia yes. in the way of getting a good haircut. Mm -hmm. So if that perception can be with getting a good haircut, why can't you marriage a good haircut and good customer service? And that's where I step in. I, I think the customer service thing is a, is a deeper-seated issue. Uh, yeah. Go ahead, Matt. Oh, finish, finish your No, card. no, that's all I was Okay, so I think this is a perfect time for you to kind of tell us in full the experience when somebody comes to Millennium. Right. Like, you know, I, I'm, well, I'm assuming we're getting all of that that you just said because you speak about it passionately and some. So can you, right. for, the, for the average person like me, like who grew up in PG County who didn't, go to a barbershop where they even had like a hot towel treatment afterwards. A lot of people just don't even know. No, or they know it exists, but they're like, nah, that ain't right. me. I'm going to just go to the, right. to the corner, to the block of my right. old barbershop. So what are they going to get when they come to Millennium? When you, got, when you come to the Millennium, first of all, you're going to be treated like the king that you are, mm. period. From the door, when you walk through the door, a simple greeting, you're going to get a greeting. You're not going to feel like you're an alien. People are not going to look at you like you're crazy. We're welcome. You're going to get a smile. More than one person is going to say hello to you. And after you come in and you sit down, if another person walks past you, one of our groomers, they're going to say, hey, sir, how you doing? Mm -hmm. You've already been spoken to, but you're going to feel instantly that, whoa, I can relax. Yeah. Once we get you to relax, then you can ex really enjoy the experience. I believe in the, the senses, the five senses. And that's how we, we, what we capitalize on. It's going to smell good. It's going to look good. Mm -hmm. You're going to feel good. You're going to touch something that's going to that's gonna be good. So I believe in a total package. Yes. Okay? I feel like, but the crown jewel is the haircut. Mm -hmm. I can fluff you all day long with a glass of wine, a cookie, <laughs> or whatever. But if I mess your shape up, up. Ugh. Experience nice. Ugh. I'm gonna go to I'm gonna go back to the hood and get that yep. fresh shape up. Yeah. You know, so my thing is marriage the two. Mm -hmm. And a lot of guys, in my opinion, are think are getting the same concept. Um, and I'll tell you, a lot of there are a lot of great barbers in the DMV, believe mm -hmm. it or not. There no, are. Yeah, yeah. Okay? But I really feel like people and, and this might get a little deep, but I'll say it because this is how I feel. We as black African-American men, we get, we trip, we had tripped too much about a lot of stuff as it relates to getting service. Okay? Explain. 
And what I mean by that is that to for someone to offer you a drink who looks just like you, and I'm not talking like uh, alcoholic drink, it could be just a glass of water, mm. in a certain way that makes you lets you know that I'm here to serve you. I don't get it twisted. I'm in the service business. That's what I do. So once I, I, once I got that straight, I'm here to serve you. Mm-hmm. A lot of kings, a king doesn't mind being served. But if you're not used to being treated like a king, it's weird. Yeah. And that's what I feel like we have so much head trip because outside of millennium, you're treated. We don't know how you're treated. You deal with a lot from your boss, your wife, your whoever. When you come in, it's, a, it's you're gonna, you're gonna relax, yeah. Because there's no there's no ego, mm-hmm. you know. We know what we do, we know why we do it, and we know why you're here. It's just that simple. Okay, Ryan, you can, it? yeah, it was perfect. Obviously, okay. we got a customer right here with an experience. Hey guys, it's Ryan, the super dope videographer. Um, <laughs> I just wanted to expand on the experience of walking into the Millennium Salon. You just went down the list of the senses and you forgot the the hearing part Same. like when you walk into the shop like the the energy that the music gives off at least for me as a musician myself like the the neo soul like even there's hip-hop there's slow r&b it's just like a very comforting thing and like when you walk in the guy kevin at the desk he stands up shakes your hand and offers you something to drink or a snack or something like that right that already made me feel weird in general because I'm always hungry and someone is just coming up to me and saying, would you like to eat? And I'm like, that's the way to my heart. So you sold me right there. <laughs> we didn't even get to the cut yet. You know what Brand I'm saying? do be hungry. Yes, like <laughs> all the time. And so my first time there, I think you give a complimentary shampoo, I'm assuming? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so they took me over to the shampoo place and Eric, Eric the... Groomer. Eric the groomer, he uh, gave me the cleanest shampoo I've ever gotten in my life. Like, my head was squeaking. Like, I could feel it, right? And then Dexter doesn't even touch you until after the other people touch you. You know what I'm saying? And so I felt like going to him, I was like, wow, he don't even, we don't even interact until I get to the cut. You know what I'm saying? I've already gone through all these stages. Like you said, everyone's talking to you and stuff like that. And then for the cut, my whole thing is I get nervous when the barber, like, takes too long on the line or like they keep going back and forth to different sides and stuff like that. Or I feel like if they don't change their razor enough, they don't really know what they're doing, all that stuff. But when you're sitting in the chair, it's like you just feel comfortable. And what really got me was I told him what kind of haircut I normally get. And then he paused for a second and was like, are you sure that's what you want? And no one had ever asked me if that's what I want. So he broke down what kind of haircut I should get because of the shape of my head and stuff like that. And once he finished, um, I was like, what are we going to call this? And he was like, just call it the Ryan. So I'm all about. You got your own haircut? Yes, bro. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm all about good customer service. And when he says you feel like a king when you're in the shop, like that is like the realest thing. And I'm pretty sure that was a Friday and I paid $60 for the haircut. $10 tip. And I enjoyed every moment of it. I also want to shout out another place that I just found out has a has a, a good, strong barber culture, Jamaica. I just found this out. In in Jamaica? Jamaica, like the country. Really? So I was in uh I was in Montego Bay a couple months back okay. and I didn't have time to get my hair cut before I went down there. So I went 
I knew I wasn't going to have time, so I went on like Facebook and Google, Yelp. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, they got to have a good barbershop down there near the, the resort. Yeah. So boom, I find one bonafide gentleman salon at this like shopping center, like walking distance from um, the resort where I stayed. And um, they had good rates, like 4.5 on everything. If you got 4.5 on everything, you good with me. So um, <laughs> I walk over there. Mind you, I got a, 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 a $12 fade, $12 US fade with the whole like hot towel treatment. Like I was greeted by everybody, including the nail techs. Um, they was offering, you know, they had refreshments, everything. You know what I mean? And I was just like, I walked out of there and I'm looking and I'm just like, I just paid $12 for this. This is crazy. Do they even know what I had to pay in the States for this? But, like, I learned from some other people who have family in Jamaica and go to Jamaica often. Like, there's actually, like, a very prominent barbering culture in Jamaica. Look mm-hmm. into that. I will. Look in, Definitely. Look, look into that. Because I didn't know. I go to Jamaica quite often. Yes. But you don't think about getting a haircut. I never think about it. Right. And I, think, I don't think many people think about that, you know. And they probably, especially in the tourist areas, they yeah. probably bank on people like, oh, Somebody didn't have time to get a cut, you know, so right. maybe even that's why they have, like, really put some effort into, into it, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but, yeah, just wanted to shout, shout out Jamaica real quick for that. Um, All right, Jamaica. So you talked about, you know, searching YouTube and getting inspiration and looking at new styles and new trends and stuff like that going to trade shows. So you're clearly embracing, like, technology and this new frontier of media to, you know, for self-learning and, and to self-edification. Right. But you're also, you know, using social media and the platform to, like, market and communicate what's going on at Millennium mm-hmm. Outward. So, like, you know, was that, like, a natural gift of yours in terms of, like, you know, taking it, taking advantage of social media? Did somebody put you onto it? You know, wh- how did you learn to kind of really harness this tool for the right reasons <clears throat> and get the good re- return on investment? Great question. Um, I was – I had all kinds of aversions to anything social media mm-hmm. up until – Five years ago. Okay. Um, That's still not bad. Five, yeah, it was nothing. I've been in, I've been cutting hair for 28 years. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. there was a larger portion. I was like, Facebook, whatever. Wh- who, what is Facebook? Mm-hmm. Right. You know, all these other things. I thought they were completely and totally mm-hmm. unnecessary. Yeah. I enjoyed a private clientele in a studio space, my first space. You had to be buzzed in. You had to know who I was in order to get in. I didn't have a storefront. Well, we expanded five years ago mm-hmm. and we opened a larger space which was which, which was more visible. Okay. So I commissioned the uh, services of Dash Marketing mm-hmm. and to, to train me because I really wanted to get it right. This was the, f- was the opportunity for me to really showcase in a larger space uh, what we offered. Now, would you have hired that that agency had you not even studied marketing in in in, in school? Probably not. Okay. Because a lot a lot I, of businesses wouldn't I think to hire. I thought I think <clears throat> in keeping with being a barber, mm-hmm. I think I would have had a, a large level of arrogancy <laughs> to say I can do it. I mm-hmm. can do everything. Mm-hmm. I can put I can put my shampoo bowls in. I can drive the truck with all get my furniture. Mm-hmm. I can do everything. Mm-hmm. I can market myself as well. Well, I understood my limitations. Yeah. And I just wanted I did not know that they would tell me about social media. I thought they were going to tell me this is the best color flyers to get. These are the best kind of business cards to get cuz that's what I was used to. Oh, the physical Right. Yeah. 
you see, I'm still looking at it from my perspective. Mm-hmm. But for them to say, whoa, whoa, wait, you have to have a media, a social media presence. Mm-hmm. Okay, there's things called uh, the different sites where people can review you and people can be drawn to that based on a review. Yes. All these things, these concepts were foreign to me. Mm-hmm. And I was like, uh, it's just way too much. I don't want to do it. Mm-hmm. But one thing about me is that I trust professionals. If I expect someone to trust me as a professional, I've got to extend that same courtesy to somebody else in a field that I may not know about. Mm-hmm. So if they're marketing, I know enough about marketing to know that these people might be onto something. So mm-hmm. I might need to listen. And I did. And I'm a thousand percent happy about what they told me. Mm-hmm. And I'm learning every day more inroads and more uh, how to have more of a social media presence and target market for a particular type of client that you're looking for. Okay. So I tell people all the time, expand it beyond of what the knowledge base that you have. So, I mean, I think it's dope too. Like, do you find that there are a lot of barbers, like you said, how you say, you know, you watch these YouTube videos, you know, just to like, you know, continue to sharpen your skill set, see what else is happening, uh-huh. any new techniques. Do you find that there are a lot of barbers doing the same, wanting to just like continue to fine tune and sharpen their skill set or is it the opposite? I think that a lot of barbers have a great measure of competency mm-hmm. in themselves. Mm-hmm. I think that I know that I always want to be relevant. Okay. And I had to humble myself, and that's a big word in the barbering industry, humble myself and recognize what I don't know. So it's, it's, it's safe to say that, that most barbers are arrogant? Yes. Okay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. And I'll tell you why. Because in a matter of under 20 minutes or more, we can make you go from a zero to a 10. Mm-hmm. The average guy, does, you can come in looking one way, and, you know, you've seen the memes. Uh, you know, we had the great fortune of doing a homeless effort with— um, Yeah, I was going to ask you about this. Yeah. The Sunday Soul Right, event. that was yeah. a great— Cuts for the homeless. That was a great effort when I, I, was, I had the blessing to— groom a young man Mm -hmm. and what he looked like before and what he looked like after was completely different. Mm -hmm. But I think that touching on what the power that barbers have groomers have is that we have the ability to uplift someone's spirit. Yes. Just, I did it through a haircut, but I connected with him first before the haircut began. Mm -hmm. You know, this is a place where we can exchange information and, and knowledge, but we also can empower and inspire. Mm-hmm. You know, and so he sat in the chair, and I was like, "Hey, brother, how you doing?" He was like, "Man, I'm, 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 I'm okay." I was like, "Man, you better than okay. You're a rock star." That's what I said to him when I was draping him. Mm-hmm. I was like, "Man, you're a rock star." And when I finish with you, you're gonna get all kind of numbers. That's what I said to <laughs> yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. And he kind of chuckled. You know. I didn't make any judgment on him as it relates to you probably haven't had a date in whatever, you, you know what I'm saying, based on him being homeless. But what I saw in him was a person who could use a encouraging word. Yeah, because I, I even reading in the, in the, the write-up, one of the write-ups about the event, you know, they, quote, it, they quoted you saying, you know, like, you're my brother, I'm going to take care of you. Yeah. That's what it is. Like, you 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 didn't treat him like a charity case. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But in, even still in all of that, you know, you told one of the guys, like, you know, you could always come back and see me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Which I thought was dope, too. You right. know what I mean? Like, And I saw the pictures. Like, I was like, man, like, 
that's a real transformation, right. you know, and just to see the smile on his face too, right. you know, that, that was good to see as well. And it's empowering. And that's what we said. We have the ability to uplift each other mm -hmm. with all the things that are going on in our community, um, the things that we're up against in terms of, of, of police brutality, all those type of things. In my opinion, the barbershop, the salons, they're the hub for us to fuel each other up. Yes. I'm not saying gas us up to do something stupid, right. but to empower us to say, you know what? We got this. Let's let's hold that there because okay. I actually want to expound okay. on that right. in a second. But I want to go into critical place theory. Okay. Ryan, tell you about that? Yes. Okay, good. Yes. So for anybody who's just first time listening, critical place theory, three things you love, three things you hate about the city you live in. Um, start with the good or bad. I'll start with the bad first. Okay. DC, what I hate is the traffic. Okay. <laughs> I think that's some anybody can agree. I on. really hate the traffic because if not for the app that allows you to pay uh, uh, Park Mobile, Park Mobile, yeah. I would never come to DC. <laughs> Cuz it seems like with since Park Mobile, there are more parking spaces. So no, I ain't think about that. I'm not the since it seems like. I mean, I'm I mean, not. I'm not driving these days, so I don't know. But I, I didn't. Yeah, yeah I never thought I, about I, that. And and it's really more, more affordable than parking in a garage. Absolutely, Facts, yeah. absolutely, so absolutely. I might need to go in a place for 10, 15 minutes. Yeah, it's gonna be a dollar unless you're parking all day. Yeah, it's no point parking in a garage. Exactly. So I definitely hate that about DC the issue of trying to find parking spaces. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of great restaurants in D.C. that I can't go to because there's no parking. Yeah. You know, it's like, uh, you, in some of these neighborhoods that you go in, you got to park five blocks from your car. Yeah. The restaurant's on Georgia Avenue. Mm -hmm. right. But you're going to park on Shepherd Street somewhere, you know. But that's why a lot of new spots got the valet. Because they they know what it is. Right. They know parking is um is is um a hot commodity. <laughs> okay. So so I hate the parking. I hate that they did away with Riverfest. Riverfest. You do you know what that is? Oh, Even this. What's Riverfest? Barry did this in his era. Okay. And it was when you would. It was a big block party in the city. Mm. It's huge. Great bands. Great. Are you talking food. about Unifest? No, it's Riverfest. Where was it? What part of the city was it? It was in Southeast. You sure it wasn't Unifest? Maybe it was Unifest. Was, I it, thought it was River. Was, was it was it on um was it on MLK Good Hope? No, nope. Anacostia area. Mm -hmm. okay. It was uh, it was near the the uh the uh was it two ninety five, like the oh so but it was like at the park Anacostia. Yeah, Sometimes it was it, it would very, go to various places, okay. but it was a huge okay. almost like. Adams Morgan Day was a couple of weeks ago. Uh, was last this past weekend? Yeah, yeah. it was Sunday. horrible. You know, so yeah, it's like the I miss the festival. I hate the <laughs> fact that the festivals in DC are gone. Right. Yeah. I hate that. Georgia, That's what I hate. Georgia Avenue, Georgia, Day, Georgia Avenue, all the way up to like the uh, the the the, the, Caribbean, the, Caribbean, yes. the Caribbean Carnival that used to have on Georgia Avenue right. as well. All the all the summertime festivals, yeah, you know, where you could go and just chill and mm -hmm. have listen to good music. I remember going to uh, Carter Barron. Mm -hmm. There was always concerts in the park. Yes. Fort DuPont. Fort DuPont, yep. That's I one. hate the fact that all those kinds of things seem like they're gone. Mm -hmm. So that was, is that two or three? That's two. two? Um, I hate the fact that it's no longer as, as much Chocolate City as I like. Yeah. And it's, I don't have a problem with people 
uh, coming and moving to the neighborhood. But don't act like I, who've been in the neighborhood, don't belong there because mm-hmm. you just moved in. Mm-hmm. That's what I don't like. I I, I hate that. Mm-hmm. You know, I have a house on 13th Street, and it's been in my family, and we have it. Yeah. Okay, for a long time. I live in Maryland. 13th Street is a good street right. to have a house on. Before, <laughs> I used to say 13th in Maryland, okay, mm. when not, we purchased a house over 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Now I'm proud to say uh, H and, and 13th, yeah. okay, mm-hmm. yeah. because it's, you know, it's a whole nother. Mm-hmm. You know, so my point is, like, I've been there. Just because you just moved here, don't act like I'm not supposed to be here now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You, you follow me? Get to know you. who I am. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't rent. I own. Yeah. So I hate that. Okay. So what, three things you love. What I love about D.C. is still the mix of sophisticated black people. Yes. You know, that's the thing that that I love. The fact that you can you can go to um, um, you can go to the Four Seasons and see somebody who lives in D.C. Mm-hmm. At the Bourbon and for, at the Four Seasons, mm-hmm. you know, you know, you can go to anywhere in D.C. and walk around and see somebody who looks like you. Mm-hmm. And I'm not just saying just someone who looks like you, somebody that might either work where you in your same profession, somebody that you can still identify with. Yes. Yes. That's 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 what I love about D.C. And I, I do love the fact that there is a, a, a level of respect. Back. There's a measure of respect for people. And that's when I say by measure, you're not going to be looked at crazy if you get on the metro. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? You're not. It's going to be like, okay, you're on the metro, I'm on the metro. You get on the bus, you're on the bus, I'm on the bus. No one's going to look at you like you don't belong. I'm from Savannah, Georgia. And I went back about a year and a half ago, and I went to a spot that was – was supposed to be a good touristy spot. Mm-hmm. Um, it's Paula Deans. Mm. And I walked in there. Paula Deans. I walked in there. First of all, nobody can sue me, but the food is horrible. It is. But I wa- you have a stroke on site. I walked <laughs> in there, and everybody looked at me like, what the f- are you doing in here? Now, and did, I, they, did they look at you like that because you're black? Cause, yeah, it's or how you how you presented? No, like, I'm black. Okay, you know it was very Anglo-Saxon mm-hmm. in there, very. It was thick, deep. Mm-hmm. So it's like you're in Savannah, Georgia, black city. What's up with that? Yeah, you know. So that whereas in D.C. you can go anywhere and no one looks at you like you, you know. Like I can go to Gucci mm-hmm. on Wisconsin. I can go in there or. Just up the street, you can go to Gucci. Uh, yeah, right, <laughs> city over, uh, Center. Cities, right. I can go, I can go in, Pro, I mean, I can go in um, Burberry. Yep, Burberry, Ferragamo. Right, all of them. Yeah. And that's like, you know what? My dollar's green. Mm-hmm. So I like that about okay. D.C. And one more. Um, hmm. I love the fact that there are a lot of African Americans here mm-hmm. who are beginning to wake up. And what I mean by wake up, there's a new, in my opinion, a level of consciousness. Mm-hmm. I think that we slept. We've yes. been asleep. Absolutely. And I think that eight years of our amazing President Obama mm-hmm. put us to sleep. Mm-hmm. We rested. 
we felt like, oh, we, we're here. We, we're we, good. We have arrived. We've arrived, and we haven't. Mm-hmm. And I think that as, as much as I hate the guy who's in the White House now, mm-hmm. I feel like we're, we're waking up now, understanding that this stuff is alive and well. Racism is alive and well. But we can't. I like the fact that I affiliate with so many people who said, you know what? I'm still going to do me. Mm-hmm. I'm going to strengthen my own. And my own is you. You're part of me because we're family. We're going to strengthen our family. We're going to sp- support each other. Yes. We, don't need, we don't need them. We can empower our own self as opposed to, oh, man, waiting for, to find out what they're going to do for me. Mm-hmm. I've been an entrepreneur all my life, yes. <laughs> all of my adult life. All the money that I've made, most of it, is because of being an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. So I understand the grind. I understand the hustle. I understand that you got you to gotta sleep when you can. Yes, you got to grind all the time. You're always looking. I'm always looking for an opportunity to make my fi- my family secure. Absolutely. As so an entrepreneur, you have to. You have, you have to. to be looking for those you opportunities. The opportunity. You can't. I don't. Ha- I don't have sick days. Right. I don't have. Mo- uh, what was it? So what do they call it? Leave. Wait, use it or lose it. I, what's yeah. that? Yeah. Oh, PTO. Paid time off. Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. okay. I never. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I don't know. Like, I have that? no concept of that. I, I burned all mine up Roll my last hours. job trying to do entrepreneurial stuff. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So. All right. Well, keeping in line with just like this whole conversation around just like, you know, sensory stimulating experiences and brighter, more pleasant experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to talk about your work as a florist. Okay. Um, a lot of people don't know this about me, but I like flowers. I like to look at flowers. Hey, Sometimes man, it's cool, man. Sometimes. Uh-huh. Sometimes Shut up. <laughs> what do you say like that? Well, I like to look at flowers. Sometimes, you know, depending on who you are, I like to give flowers. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But um I um went on your site uh-huh. and uh your 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 floral site and I was just like okay, one, which came first, the chicken or the egg? Uh-huh. Did you need and if the floral arrangements came after the barber, like could you have done the floral arrangements had you not been a barber first with that eye for that eye for <laughs> detail like like just crazy, man. I was like, man, I just want to buy some flowers now. Okay. Like, I'm okay. going to give my mother some flowers. Okay. <laughs> That's what we get some flowers yeah. to. She I, would like that. I, I always love That's this real. question because <clears throat> once I explain it to you, it's going to make so much sense to you. You're going to wonder why you didn't realize it yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, number one, um, growing up uh, as a Seventh-day Adventist, there are very few outlets that our church condone. Mm-hmm. Yes. You yeah. either... Uh, play basketball, you sang, yeah. or you dress your ass off. <laughs> okay? Those were your three outlets. I would have never thought fashion, but okay. You, you, that you, it's an energy. I'm not partying. I'm not drinking. I'm not, I'm not clubbing. Yeah. Okay? My, I'm making my gear tight because I'm going to church. Okay? Okay. So I can't sing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't play basketball, mm-hmm. so I, I, so fashion was a natural inclination for me. Okay. So, in understanding fashion, you have to look at colors and concepts. Mm-hmm. So I'm a barber. Yeah. Okay. A barber capitalized on shapes and angles. Mm-hmm. If you look at my floral arrangement, once I tell you, my floral designs are very architectural. Yes. It's their sculpt, their haircuts what they are if you go back if you look their lines it's their haircuts 
So it was a natural progression mm -hmm. for me to go into the floral piece. And I came by really funny. I opened up the, the first space that I opened up and my sister sent a floral arrangement as a congratulation. And in the shop, I always believe, from a Southern perspective, I believe in hospitality and you being comfortable. Mm -hmm. So the space looked like you were walking into someone's house. Okay. And we had a big uh, mirror and like a table. Mm -hmm. And we placed the flowers on that table. Mm -hmm. I'm all about customer service. Mm -hmm. So about a couple of days later, uh, the flowers died, so I threw them away. But people were coming in the shop and said, oh, it was nice. What happened to the flowers? Because it was a unisex salon. So we had female clients as well as male clients. Mm -hmm. So it was like, so I called my sister up and I said, hey, my clients like this flower thing. You know, what so I said, this flower thing. Mm -hmm. Send me some more flowers. She was like, buddy, you're on your own. I was like, no, my, <laughs> my clients, clients like it. So what, sh what should I do? She said, go to the Safeway. <laughs> Get three bunches of one kind of flower and put it in a vase. And I did that. And uh, two days later, the flowers died. I was like, this is way too expensive. I can't every two days. Go get you know. flowers. So she said, did you cut the flowers on an angle? Did you put them in water? I'm like, I know that's what I was supposed to do. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> Sound like me. <laughs> cut them on an angle, put, up, put water in it. So mm -hmm. I went on a search. I went to Barnes and Noble and I sat in the floral section at the, the, on books mm -hmm. about flower arranging. I just read and I was fascinated how uh, something in nature could grow, mm -hmm. be cut, still live, and then the mechanics of putting it together. Then the light bulb went off in my head. This is the same thing in cutting. Mm -hmm. I do a foundation of a haircut. Yeah. Angles, 45 degree, 90 degree. And I was like, I think I'm going to do flowers like I do haircuts. Yeah. And the rest is history. Have you ever been to or heard of Harlem in the Netherlands? Like where the original Harlem, like where they where Harlem in New York got its name from? No. It was, so it's spelled with two A's, H-A-A-R-L-E-M. They, I want to, when I go out there, I want to go to Harlem to visit like these floral gardens. Like it's friggin' like expansive and mm -hmm. just like, mad colors of like just yeah. different types of flowers like yo put that on your to-do list okay as as a florist like you, this is something you got to see look it up harlem okay. and it, it's like one of the like one of the like biggest tourist attractions uh -huh. like flowers wow everywhere i thought it was holland because I, I holland is on my to-do list well so that's i mean that's what they call the netherlands now they, okay. call, they call it Holland. Holland. Yeah. Yes, okay. Holland, Holland is now the Netherlands, yeah. but like Harlem. Harlem okay. in the Netherlands. Yes, yes, okay, yes, got yes. It, got Harlem it, in it, the it, Netherlands. H-A-A-R-L-E-M. Um, yeah. So, um, but anyway, just, just to keep that in the back okay. of your mind. Um, speaking about how you said one, your, your flowers are like barberings, like cutting heads. Like mm -hmm. you had this one, I think on the page, we had your roses and carnations. It's like in this um, this this white vase uh -huh. and the white carnations. And that was just the Big white. Big old gigantic ball, Yeah, right? and I yeah. was just like, I ain't never, how do you do that? Like, I ain't never seen nothing like that. I was like, yo. Isn't that an afro? And that's exactly, when you said it's like a head cut, I was like, that was, it was like an afro. Come to think about yes. it. That was really dope, man. And, and afro, think about it. And I love this. Afro is a globe mm -hmm. or a light bulb. Think about it. That's deep. That's There's deep. a glow because it's all around. Yeah. An orb. 
Or it's, an, it's like a light bulb. It kind of tapers a little bit, and then it fans out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love it. And that's my flower arrangements. Wow. You know? I like yeah, structures. I like big stuff. I like structures. You know, there's a thing called, they call them a canopy. Mm-hmm. I call it a huppa. When, you know, it's a Jewish huppa where they get married under it. Yeah. I love doing those mm-hmm. because that's when you, you go crazy with colors. And, and nature tells you there's a concept. When you think about fall, we're going into fall right now. Mm-hmm. Think of the colors of nature of fall. Man says that fall is orange and yellow. No, orange, a fall, rich fall is purple, hot pink, burnt orange, mm-hmm. red. Jewel tones. That's what real fall is. Mm-hmm. And so I take my clue from that. And very, you know, I met a marriage food, fruit mm-hmm. with flowers because the color pla- palettes are the same. Oh. And it's dope when you put them together. That is and I want to I wanted to spell a rumor, a, a myth, not a rumor, a myth. Floral arrangement is very difficult. It's manly because you building stuff. You you have to lift heavy boxes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was going to be my, it's a, my next it's question. A real, it's a male-dominated field. Mm-hmm. You cannot be... Uh, women usually have to hire men. Because you, you buckets of water mm-hmm. that weigh 20 pounds, and you put pl- flowers in them. Boxes that you got to lift. Yeah. You got to go on trucks. You got to go on lift ladders. Mm-hmm. You know, you build... You build the, you're always building stuff. Yeah. We build trees mm-hmm. that we have to cut and then fit in a truck. I got to drive. You got to you got to know how to drive a, a, a big truck. You follow me? So mm-hmm. it's a it's a it's extremely physical. Most people who will look at my work. Oh, I want to work with you. I want to do this. They last about about a half a day. Mm-hmm. It's too. It's very physical. I can imagine. Yeah. Like just thinking about that and even like. Even though what you do on both sides with the barbering and the and the and the, and the floral arrangements, like a very detail oriented, yeah. similar in a lot of ways, you treat them and look at them in the same way. Like, right. is there any difficulty switching gears? Like, you know, you get you know you get a job for some floral arrangements that you need to do, but then you got to go back into the salon and like, mm-hmm. w- is there any difficulty you experience there? It is not because I believe that you have to focus. Mm-hmm. What I would do is. I would cut hair on certain days mm-hmm. and do flower arrangement only on certain days. Mm-hmm. I never mix the two. I'm what is called an event florist. Okay. So that means that I don't have a freestanding st- shop where you can come and buy flowers. If you have an event, you can hire me. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I never have the duality of having to switch back and forth. Mm-hmm. Now, my current space in my basement of my current space is my floral studio. Okay. So after I finish cutting hair, if I have a floral job to work on, an event, I go right downstairs. You just go downstairs yeah. at the in the basement of the salon. In the basement of the salon. Wow. Okay. So I get to the duality is there, but I don't conflict because I feel like a client should always feel like they're your priority. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna cut, cut a person's head and then skip another person and go deliver a flower arrangement. And then I have I come back and it's it's there's a flower smell, mm-hmm. okay. Yep. <laughs> and then and if I'm in your face with the clippers, you're gonna smell my hands. Yeah. And that flower smell, it's not always pretty. Right. So. Right. Okay. I believe in solid, you know, focus one thing at a time. Okay. So I never ever mix the two. So I want to dial it back to what we were talking about earlier before we went into the critical place theory and just how like being in the barbershop and just how that's therapeutic. 
in the work that you do, even at the level that you do it. Um, something that's very there's, that's very big in, in the topics of discussion in the media now with, with regards to black men is like black masculinity, mm -hmm. right? And how it's viewed by mm -hmm. us, mm -hmm. people who aren't us, mm -hmm. black men or what have you, um, toxic masculinity, whatever you want to call mm -hmm. it. Um, do you think that you as a barber or that even like the barber shop as it plays the role in, in, in many black men's lives could be a place where that could slowly start to diffuse because there's a lot of, there's a lot of like really unrealistic standards that just black men we set for ourselves. Forget mm -hmm. what everybody else wants us to do, but mm -hmm. like what we set for ourselves. Mm -hmm. Like, so we all watch insecure in here <laughs> last night's episode. Um, um, I don't. I don't watch it. I don't know what that is. Don't, don't worry about it. <laughs> okay. Oh, <laughs> uh, but anyway, it's it basically it's a show about just like black millennials, um, just okay. dealing with the ups and downs, ebbs and flows of being adults. Okay. You know, but um, one of the characters, Lawrence, um, who um was in a relationship with the main character, uh, Issa, um, they come together just really for some closure. One is moving out, this, that, and the third. But he says to her, they broke up. He says to her, you know, sometimes I set expectations for myself, and when I miss them, you know, I I, I, I shut down. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And so that even itself, proven that we set really some a lot of times set unrealistic expectations for ourselves mm -hmm. that are hard to deal with, and we act out in different ways. Mm -hmm. Just thinking about where you are on the level of your barbering, even down to just like, yeah, on the level of your barbering, just how you really care about an overall experience. Do you think a barbershop? could be a place where these you have that real therapy talk yeah just and like this stuff can be diffused you know what i mean because even i think some people like i'm pretty sure there's guys who would like equate going to a grooming salon like oh that's doing too much man i ain't that's, that's too pretty before, man yeah. Yeah, and I mean. this yeah, that, and yeah, the third yeah. or like even how you just said like a lot of people might think being a florist like that's like that think that's not a male dominated yeah. field but it is just yeah. because of the, the type of very physical work that you must do right you know what i mean and well, on the surface somebody like flowers yeah. but you gay right. what's up with you man exactly. you know yeah. what i mean yeah. so just like it's i know that was a very loaded question but i wanted yeah. that's something i wanted to bring up just looking at can your work you, can you diffuse hyper masculinity in the barbershop yes is that a place yes thank I you for bringing that together <laughs> succinctly <laughs> appreciate that i think that thing. i think that you can but I think it will be extremely difficult to do mm -hmm. because I feel is I'm of the opinion, number one, a lot of the millennials, the younger cats to that, that come into our space, mm -hmm. I think they're easier to, to reach. Okay. I feel like once you hit 35 and up, you're ingrained and you, you're, you're, you are who you are. Even though the ones, the, the men who are 35 older have more of the income to be able to spend on yes. your services. Yes. They're still like, nah. No, I think that there is, it's almost like, yeah, it's the mentality mm -hmm. because to have the, the disposable income to do it, if their mind is not right, they don't. Yeah. But what tends to happen is they will experience it mm -hmm. through, we do grooming packages okay. for grooms okay. and their, and their, their, uh, the groomsmen, mm -hmm. they'll come, oh, I got to do this cause you know, you know. Oh boy, hooked us up. Say all of us supposed to come here, and, and you know we gonna, you know y'all gonna, sp you know, 
they will talk the entire time about the fact that they had to come. Mm-hmm. But they will be the ones they'll come and enjoy every aspect of it. Yeah. Because they don't feel secure and that they can just say, you know what? I like this. Mm-hmm. You know? So it's a mentality, whereas the, the younger cats, they'll say, wow, I wish I had more of the income to do this because this helps me to feel good, which allows me to go out and do the things I need to do mm-hmm. outside. Mm-hmm. So I really feel like for me, the young brothers that come through, I'm talking about the uh, six, seven, eight, nine, ten year olds. That's who that's who we're targeting in terms of letting them see kings. Yeah. Letting us let them see. Making I have a young guy. I have a the young guy, his name is Carson. I've cut him since his first haircut. Mm-hmm. And I think Carson is like eight years old now. Seven no, I'm sorry. He's seven years old, and he sits in the chair. He, he goes, he says, hey, Mr. Dexter, pretty soon when I sit in the shampoo bowl, I'm only going to need one booster. Because <laughs> <laughs> you know, before we had two, yeah. you know, and I was like, not yet, you're not there. So he understands. Uh, he's going to go, he's going to get his shampoo yeah. first, and now Mr. Dexter is going to cut his hair. Mm-hmm. Sit him in the chair, cut his hair, and he said to me, just this, like two weeks ago, at the end of most of the services, we give a hot towel wrap. Mm-hmm. And that is to get the loose hair off you. And yeah. it actually feels pretty good. Yes, it does. It feels amazing. So amazing. <laughs> I, after I cut his hair, we were having a conversation. Because we talked to our young kings. We talked to them while they're in the chair. Mm-hmm. We asked them about their schoolwork. We asked them to, to spell words. We asked them to count. We always are engaging them. So I'm engaging him. So I'm thinking, okay, I dust him off, snap the cape off. And he was like, Mr. Dexter. <laughs> and I'm like, what? What's up, Carson? He was like, he said, my service is not complete. Seven years old. <laughs> because for as long as he's been coming to me, mm-hmm. he knows the ending. Yeah. And it's his hot towel wrap. Okay. He's looking forward to that. And he's looking forward to it. Absolutely. So my point is, if we get people to the point where they look forward and they expect this kind of service, mm-hmm. being that hyper-masculinity thing goes out the window. If you go and come in our shop on any given day, especially on a Thursday or Friday, you'll see all types of guys. You'll see somebody laying back getting a beard shampoo. You're going to see somebody getting a facial. Mm-hmm. And it's not this atmosphere where, you know, who wants bad skin? Everybody wants good skin, you know. So cleaning your skin, cutting your hair, grooming, you know, and we're going to put the towel, and we're going to wipe around your ears. We're going to wipe your neck, you know. It's summertime, so oils build up. These are things that are designed to help you. Yeah, yeah. And once you get in the mindset that this is, it's not like you. I want to sleep with you. It's not, you know what I'm saying? It's like. You relax. Yeah. You know, I think oftentimes just as if a person is not used to getting a massage, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of times, you you know, a male will go to a female to get a massage, whatever. Usually if your idea of getting a massage is sexual, sexual, Mm -hmm. then you can't get, you can't have a man give you a massage. Right. That's going to freak you out. Right. You follow me? So I think that it depends in the mind. That a lot of things that happen to us in our mind have nothing to do. <laughs> it's not this is real, grooming. bro. Yeah. You know? yeah, grooming and taking care of yourself, like, 
that's just something you should do exactly in general as a human mm-hmm. being get, get your, but, but <laughs> get there your pedicures too right there hey <laughs> man look y'all, i'm here to tell See? y'all you get you a good nail tech right yes. out here <laughs> man take care of your feet man. take right. care of your feet Mine be kicking, so I need it. <laughs> should be part of my health issue. Women so, will appreciate you scratch a thousand you know, times over. Sh- yeah, a woman, you scratching her, rubbing your feet up against her and causing blood. Yeah. Right, uh, you don't want her scratching you, so why uh, should you have a couple of y'all? Y'all got to do better. Now she got the ashy ankle because you don't rub right. your feet all the time. Right, so, right. yeah, like grooming, like, I just hate that, you know, just taking care of yourself in general, whether it's, you mm-hmm. know, outwardly, mm-hmm. inwardly, like, is looked at as, like, feminine or soft or just something like that. It's just, like, it's whack. You know what I think? This is what I, this is my own personal opinion. I really think that the media has done a lot of it. And I'm in the grooming business, but some of the images that I see, I wouldn't agree with either. Mm -hmm. You know, so I really think that the media has these portrayals. First of all, a guy with his head wrapped in the same manner as a woman Mm -hmm. would have. Like, you know, you get out of the shower, Mm -hmm. you see those kinds of images and you, now, I, now, now, about, now that I get right, okay. they talk about oh, I gotta go, I got, I have to have my, you know, just in that type of manner, mm-hmm. and they they make fun of it, mm-hmm. but people are seeing it. Yeah. So I think almost like I, I think when I say this, you'll get it. Remember in the movie uh, Coming to America, mm-hmm. that movie single-handedly shut down the jury curl business industry. Uh-huh. That movie. Remember the scene? No, I know. At the so, so glow. So, and they were sitting there yeah, and they and got, got up. Got grease stain on the couch. Yes. Yeah. That destroyed. That shut it down. It shut did. Because when did that come out? What was that? came out like 88? Yes. And, and Jerry Curl. My, my, my mother had a Jerry Curl, but not for much longer after that movie came out. <laughs> you, I did not smell activator in the house no there more. You go. Because it, it, <laughs> it's just like, oh, you know. You follow me? Mm-hmm. So it's like even to uh, those kinds of things, if if it hits the core, mm-hmm. if you're not secure enough or whatever, you're going to be like, oh, no, I'm not doing that. Yeah. Or I'll do it in private. Mm-hmm. Who? Okay, I'm going to get my hair shampooed. Uh, I'll shampoo before I get before I get to the shop. No, nobody has to shampoo my hair. You know, when you get the best cut when hair is free of any type of oils or debris yes absolutely you get the best cuts you so i'm telling you something that's in the best interest of you mm-hmm. but because you're super masculine you know because our our tech our shampoo guy is a is a guy you know so it's a female sometimes it's a guy sometimes so your hair still needs to be clean right you follow me so if you're not there but i have noticed that like I said, a lot of the young guys, they're coming up. These are the guys who are starting to, to finish graduate school. Mm-hmm. They're getting that disposal. They automatically know that, hey, I only come once a month now. But once this kicks off, I'll be coming every week. So That's what I'm trying to get on, get a haircut every week. <laughs> um, yeah. what, what inspires you, Dexter? Because you, you got you. I like your story, man. I, and I, li- I like the path that you've been on. You, you, mm. you, I, I like you, man. <laughs> It's very, very uh, inspirational conversation, yeah, especially yeah. with like the visual part. You know, right. like I'm not artistic in that I can draw or mm-hmm. things like that, but I know what looks good. And like mm-hmm. I know, like I keep bringing it back to just sensory experiences. Right. Like I know what looks good, feels mm-hmm. good. Like 
if I don't have and a lot of time a lot of places where I spend my money, if I don't have an overall sensory experience, mm-hmm. a good one, right. I'm not coming back. Exactly. Like that's the that's the standard mm-hmm. that I set. Mm-hmm. You know, and people call me whatever, right. bougie, whatever. Right. I don't care. Exactly. But that's what I that's what the standard I set because it's just like you mm-hmm. know I want to make sure I like it. You know, especially like. You know, I'm not rich, mm-hmm. so I want to make sure every dollar I spend goes to something that I'm thoroughly going to jo- enjoy and want right. to come back to. You know, but so I want to know what inspires mm-hmm. you just to keep going. Like right. you know, you're, you're always hustling, you're mm-hmm. always doing different mm-hmm. things, you're looking for the next opportunity, right. and you're just giving it the best that you right. can. I feel like you kind of hit the nail on the head in a lot of ways, and I'll explain to you like this: I'm inspired by people, mm-hmm. and what inspires me more is to see somebody else trying to be the best that they can be. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's something that we all can identify in each other. You are, we understand energy. You know when you get a bad vibe. Yes. You know when you get a good vibe. Mm-hmm. I trust the spirit within myself. Yes. I trust it wholeheartedly. Mm-hmm. And I feel like uh, God has blessed me to interface with some incredible people. Mm-hmm. I've noticed that it seems like the more conscious a person is, the more willing they are to give. And I, I feel like that's that. why we're on this earth. We're not on this earth to take. Mm-hmm. We are on this earth to give. Mm-hmm. And uh, my wife is a school teacher. And to see her sitting grading papers or I might overhear her talking to a parent mm-hmm. about the, the spirit that she sees within their young person. And we're just going to encourage them a little bit more. We're just going to, you know. And then to actually meet that young person or I've been, we've been at different functions, and the person will come up to her and say, hi, Miss Fields, and mm-hmm. they'll hug her. And she'll say, oh, that was so-and-so, you know, student. And to see that person light up, <laughs> to be able to share with her something that she's given, that's priceless. Yeah. And so, like, I have a, an apprentice, and when I'm explaining a concept or idea to him or telling him how to interface with a client mm-hmm. and at first he's apprehensive and he does not he's not 100% sure and to then to hear him give a spiel because he knows it and I'm like wow and how that pride that you get knowing that I'm I've just helped somebody yeah when I'm talking to you about grooming you know that inspires me because it's something that I know, mm-hmm. and I, so, I know it's something that you've expressed to me that you don't know. Mm-hmm. So if I tell you something that you don't know, you have an opportunity to spread it to somebody else. Yes. It's a tip. Mm-hmm. And so that's, in my opinion, I'm going to brighten the corner where I am. And if I brighten the corner where I am, if everybody's doing that, it'll be a trickle-down effect. Mm-hmm. You come into the space, our salon, you feel great, you feel good. We give you some positive affirmations. You're gonna go somewhere else. So yes. it's gonna be a, you know, past. You know, was it was it pay it forward? Yes, that, pay it forward. forward. I feel like that's it's in us as people of color. It's already in us. We just have to tap into it. And I think that too often we ne- we negate and deny the spirit with, from within. Mm-hmm. And I've been able to really reach a not only a higher level of consciousness, but I've recognized that. When you give, I'm my best self yeah. when I give. I recognize that. Now, I am my best self when I give. Yes, yes. So, that's why I'm inspired by people walking in here, just seeing your setup. I have no concept of all this stuff. <laughs> but it's inspiring because y'all know. You know. 
And I'm like, wow, that's really dope. We got this little microphone. People are listening to us, but they can't see it. This is like a dope little setup. Mm-hmm. You know, I've seen these on TV. I'm right here now. Yeah. So it's like, wow. So that inspires me, you know, coming to this space, looking at the looking at that circle, that table over there, <laughs> looking at that chair, you know, I'm like, whoa. Gets gets a brain jumping. My brain is going, <laughs> going just by this. When you you've been here man. before, so you're like, oh, yeah. it's my space, I do my thing. But I'm inspired by this space. That's true mark of a creative. You know what I mean? You're always Find inspiration ins- inspiration inspired wherever mm-hmm. you go. Yeah. You know? Well, that's all I got. You know, Matt, you got anything else? What is one piece of practical or abstract advice that you would give to the young uh, woman or young man who's aspiring to be a barber or is contemplating it and just had a passion for it or always been interested in it but, you know, wants to learn more? Or a florist. Or a florist. Right, 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 right. Um, I would say, truly and honestly, be true to you. Put your put your your individual stamp on what you feel is your passion. Mm-hmm. You know, be inspired by other people. Put your own spin on it. Mm-hmm. That's how. That, I think that's that's a rule for every creative, yeah. every individual out there. I think Look at and be inspired, but put your stamp on it and understand that nobody's an island. You know, people get into this whole thing of oh, you copy me. No, there's no such thing as you know, you can be, I can inspire. Like, you didn't, I didn't create a black t-shirt. I didn't create a pair of black pants and a black shirt. I'm wearing it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so if somebody else walks in, oh, you copy it. No, come on now. This is available to everybody. Yeah, but that's it. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, tell everybody, oh, Ryan, you got anything you want to add? Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, you can, tell people where they can find you. You can find us on social media. Uh, Instagram is Millennium Salon. That's M-I-L-L-E-N-N-I-U-M Salon. Mm-hmm. And the tag at the bottom says Curators of Grooming. And I am Dexter the Grooming. That's also my IG. Uh, we're on Facebook, uh, Millennium Salon. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm getting better at Twitter. Not, you know, we don't you tweet don't, a whole you lot. You don't have to tweet. Yeah, we don't tweet <laughs> a whole lot. Unless you tweet some videos, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, we have a guy, have a, have a guy okay, who okay. actually does that kind of stuff. Because, you know, that go viral on Twitter, you know what I'm saying? And, yeah. Uh, and, yeah, and our and our video is doing, our short film release we just did, mm-hmm. I just got a note that said we, we got 70K. Word. And, and when did y'all put it out? Yesterday. Ooh. Wow. Yeah, we'll put a link in the description Absolutely. so people can nah, access nah, it. Nah, it's called Dandyville. It. That's yes. a whole nother subject. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Damn, we should have talked about that when we were talking about black male masks. We got to bring them back. That's all, <laughs> that's, that's all that means. Yeah. Especially, just, and then even even after speaking about just like how fashion and like, you know, really delving into that, mm-hmm. you know, as a devout Seventh Day Adventist. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's fa- yeah. It's an outlet, you know? And I would have to say that. I am I am I am conservative with the biggest twist ever. I will wear I will wear a uh, uh, European cut suit, mm-hmm. but it might be floral. Mm-hmm. Okay, you know I'm not gonna wear a collar that's here with. <laughs> no, it's gonna be a really tailored, clean cut. You know, or I might wear a navy blazer, but I might put a throw a lime green pocket square in it. And a crisp white T-shirt, and a pair of K-Swiss or Converse. There's a few guys I follow on Instagram that you know 
fall into that same vein when it comes to fashion. So like um the guys from Art Comes First, they're based out of London. Uh-huh. Um two um two guys of African descent. I'm not sure which countries, but Art Comes First. They sell clothes and whatnot on their website. Um, um who else? Ouija uh, Theodore. He o- he owns um a uh, 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 Brooklyn Circus. Yes, um, I know him. Yeah. Let's see. Uh Mike Ebergard. He is a stylist out of New York. Um, another guy, uh, Groovy Lou. Mm-hmm. All these guys, like yeah. everything you just described, like that's that's them, like conservative with a twist. It, you uh-huh. know, still keeping in line with just like the the the, the technical and um, classic yes. um, lines and cuts with fashion, but like you know, African prints, African prints, yeah. like even down to the jewelry, like right. you know, your ring, like that mm-hmm. ring right yeah. there, you know, or even like you know some medallions, things like that, yeah. and, but just like the pops mm-hmm. of color, the mm-hmm. prints, all of that, like yeah. floral prints, those different right. things, but like these, all of y'all just like like just masculine guys, you yeah. know what I mean? So, but check out art comes first. Gotcha. Ch- check out art comes first. You'll yeah. you'll you'll like that. But um, yeah, that's all I got. And that's all we got. And it's been a dope you. one. Absolutely. So Absolutely. Th- thank you thank once you. again, Dexter, for coming thank in. Thank you for, for having me. The All The Fly Kids show is powered by Fairground Creative Media and is recorded at the Innovator Studio inside Impact Hub, located in the Penn Quarter section of downtown D.C. Engineered by Backpack Matt and Ryan Gordon and produced by Geronimo Knows, me. You can subscribe to and listen to this podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Mixcloud, and Spreaker. Tell a friend and pay it forward.